0: Welcome to Life Lessons, a Ministry of Metro Believers Church featuring Pastor Glenn Smith. We pray that you will be encouraged by today's teaching. And now, Pastor Glenn. Delighted that you are here and honored that you have come our way. Just want to make a couple of quick announcements about the upcoming events next Sunday, a week from today, right after the service. Up at the far corner of this building, we are having our next level classes beginning. There'll be three of them. Um, We will actually be serving lunch. We have child care available. If you've never been to our next level, um, we sort of tweaked the growth track just a little bit and changed it up some, and we are offering that next Sunday. Let's have the ushers come forward and begin to pass out our clipboards once again, this, if you have been kicking the tires for a while about Metro Believers Church or you've been coming and you feel like this is home, um, we really would love to have you come next Sunday. I'll be teaching the class about our vision, our values, our strategy, our structure, and our systems and who we are, what our call is, what our vision is, and so on and so forth. It's from 12 to 2. We'll get you out on time, I promise. I promise. So, please sign up, come next week. Uh, we're in the seventh week of our series called The Story. How many of you have been enjoying reading through the Bible together? Wonderful. Um, this is where our, our, sort of our children and our teens and, and our, our adults are all on the same page throughout every single week. And uh, we just are so thrilled. That you're here and that you're walking through this. And we're also thrilled that we have our live stream audience viewing in today. Let's give them a hand. We're so glad that you're here. It's sort of an extended campus of Metro Believers Church. Two weeks ago, we had 750 households watching on Sunday morning all around the globe. Come on, let's give it up for that. Tell a friend. If you're in the city, come to church. Don't just sit and watch your TV. Come here, all right? We need you. You need us. But if you're homesick, we're glad you have this opportunity to come and join with us together. Amen? So during this series, during this series, uh, did you bring those clipboards up? Yeah, you did. Okay. During this series, we're taking time to hear um, each of our stories. And um, it blew me away when I first announced that we were going to do the story in We wanted to hear your story, and we wanted to hear actually your testimony, and we put the clipboards out, and we had people sign up through October for every Sunday that we're doing the story, and uh, we still have some room. If you're out there and you're saying, man, I wish I'd have gotten in, we still have some room, so the sign-up sheet is back there on the info center. You can go back there and sign up, and we'll fit you in somewhere between Um, the beginning and the end, okay, of our story experience. And so today, we have uh, another person coming to share their story, um, and let's give it up for Allie Kennison. And uh, you got room for your iPad? I think so. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, the mic, yep.
1: Does this work? Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm Allie Kennison. I've been going here for about a year now, and um, there's a whole lot to my story. It was really hard to cut down to five minutes, so I'm going to do my best. (laughs) Um, All right, so it starts back when I was a child. Um, I was born in Madison in an atheist home, actually, and my parents were separated since I was one. Both my parents were alcoholics, and my living situation wasn't very good, My mom was the type of alcoholic that would drink to help her fall asleep because of her work schedule, so she was pretty absent throughout my childhood. And my dad was the angry drunk, and he never let us forget that we were not good enough, not smart enough, not skinny enough. I never really felt loved by my family, which started a series of attempts um, to be loved and to just be accepted by others. This showed up in my dance training, always striving to be better than everyone at my studio, super competitive, and in school, always taking on way more than I could manage in order to impress people and find my worth. Even after college, I was obsessed with how I looked, the pictures that were posted of me on social media, and getting attention from people I thought were cool. I thought that I had finally gotten my life together at that point and I could take charge of what I wanted now that I was on my own. However, this only led to heartbreak after heartbreak as I disrespected my body and let others do the same. I became angry and controlling and put walls up so I would never get hurt again. In September 2012, everything changed. My dad ended up in the hospital after having two strokes and a heart attack without us even knowing about it, and my grandma's health was deteriorating at the same time. And within that same month, we also learned that my mom had a cancerous mass in her pelvis. I have no idea how my sister and I managed to work full-time and juggle our schedules between three sick family members, but somehow we got through it. And no matter what mistakes my parents had made, we had to forget our past, cling together, and just get through this. So my sister, my mom, and I prepared for my mom's chemo schedule and set up all of our sessions. I remember literally crying through almost every second of every day. I made my bed and cried. I cried in the shower. I cried watching TV. I cried at work. I cried with my friends. For the first time in my life, and with truly nothing left of me, I prayed, and I really meant it. I shouted out loud, and I prayed that the doctors would have just made a mistake and tell us that everything was just going to be okay. I didn't know who I was praying to, but I thought I had to give it a shot because I just had no other option. So my mom went through surgery to remove the mask, and we set up her first follow-up appointment. My sister went with my mom and called me when they were done. She told me that the doctors had made a mistake and were wrong in their initial diagnosis. The tumor ended up just being precancerous, and they removed it with the surgery, and she was cancer-free and would not need chemo. Yeah, crazy. (laughs) I almost pulled the car over I was driving, and I almost just pulled it over and cried. Exactly what I had prayed for had come true, so I knew that someone must have heard my prayers. For a couple weeks, I was back to crying. I cried making my bed. I cried in the shower. I cried with my friends. I cried at work. But this time, they were overjoyed tears. After this, I had to find out, find out what this God thing was all about. A new friend of mine told me about her community group on Wednesday nights, and I decided I should start coming. Coincidentally, my friend also forgot to tell me that this was church-related. And when I showed up on the first day, they are all singing songs about Jesus, so I felt very awkward. But <laughs> I thought they were kind of weird, but I wanted to give them a shot. Um, it was really overwhelming for me to try and wrap my head around a god floating up in the sky. It was just fake magic, as my dad had always said. Um, but when I felt like I was able to accept that maybe there was a god, I had to start learning about this Jesus guy, i mean a guy that died and came back to life like how am i supposed to wrap my brain around that i don't know but another new friend of mine invited me to join the alpha program at a church in wanaki to learn about jesus and start from scratch um then it was time for me to start reading the bible and it sounded quite miserable to me at first but i gave it a chance and i really had no choice to accept all of these things because i couldn't deny everything that had happened to me and all that god had done for me slowly but surely god used others to help me understand and piece all of this together As I started reading the Bible, I really could not believe what was in that book. After all these years of searching and after so many letdowns and reaching for the wrong things to help me feel fulfilled or prove a point, it was truly a miracle to feel like someone actually loved me. Me, called stupid, fat, depressed, not good enough, mistake after mistake, heartache after heartache. How could anyone love me and what was that even like? Surprisingly, reading the Bible for the first time made me think it was just written directly to me, piercing my heart in so many ways. Reading Romans really helped me learn how God truly felt about me. In uh, Romans 5, 6 through 8, it says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I was baptized in 2014 as a commitment to follow God and to live my life as his new creation. And I was baptized again last Sunday with my fiancé to, to commit to a God-centered marriage, which is a huge redemption from so many past broken relationships. My journey to finding a God who was waiting for me to come to him was, is one that shows that God was pursuing and protecting me all along. Despite my circumstances and despite my mistakes, he still loved me and he helped me forgive others and powerfully restore relationships with my family. I was always searching for a way to be loved, winning trophies, excelling in school, dating. But I'm so thankful that I have found my Savior, which is the only answer to my searching.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Allie. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Wow. God's story is awesome. I love hearing those redemptive stories about God and to hear how he's intersected people's lives. And uh, Allie and Zach are going to be married in less than a month now. And they've been diligent in their premarital counseling. And uh, I'm so thankful for people who take this thing called marriage seriously. <laughs> all right, so um, once back again into the story, um, you see all the stuff up here that sort of communicates some things that is happening. Um, we have been asking you to read the story um, every week, the chapter that we're in before you come to church. Hopefully you did that this week, chapter 7. We've been asking you um, to read it together as a family and discuss uh, a family assignment that we've been giving you every week and uh, take a selfie of you and your family. Take a selfie and then upload it to uh, Facebook um, and uh, we'd have a drawing going every single month at the end of the month. Uh, we choose choose uh, someone out of the hat, and they win a gift card to Chick-fil-A. So um, when I want to ask you to do that. You can do it once a week to uh, increase your odds. Um, the family assignment that's in your notes today in your guest packet uh, is chapter 7. It's to read Joshua 1, 1, 1.9 and discuss the question What are some specific ways God may want you or your family to show courage this week, okay? So that's your family assignment, and like I said, it's in your notes. And so I also want to encourage you to join a study group. It's not too late because we're talking about the story. We're walking it through and getting some meat out of that that chapter. Um, Vicki and I are in three small groups. (laughs) We're like small group junkies, right? Um, But... Hey, I'm telling you, it's powerful. Yeah, we love it. We love intersecting with people and, and seeing what God's speaking to them and, and some of the things that, that we can grow from together. Small groups is the best place to grow, okay? We have small groups all over the city, all right? So if you want to join a small group, see Matt. He's the small group pastor. And uh, also, you can go online and look for the opportunities there. But today, we're in chapter 7 of the story, and I just wanted to point out what's happened up to this point. So, I'm going to be going off screen for the live audience for just a minute, but I'll come back. So, so far, we've discussed the creation, and uh, we've talked about how Adam and Eve were created by God. Then we went into how they blew it and they fell, and we talked about Noah and the flood, We talked about Babel, we talked about Abraham, we talked about Joseph, we talked about Moses. And today, we're going to talk about Joshua, sometime around 405, 406 B.C. Okay, Right here, in this space right here, um, should have been Judges. Okay, So next week, we'll be talking about Judges. And then we're going to go into Saul, Samuel, Ruth, and so on and so forth. And then, of course, the New Testament, when Jesus came, you see it from the beginning to the end. Now, some of you have been having questions. About how the upper story and the lower story, how do I determine what's upper story and lower story? Okay? So if you took this beginning from creation and went all the way over here to the end, eternity, or the second coming, or the great white throne judgment, this is us, and this is the end of time and the beginning of eternity, okay? So if you could draw a, a sort of a hoop, or an arch from creation to the eternity piece, you would see God's upper story. Does that make sense? Because that's going to happen. All right? That's going to happen. That happened, that's going to happen, okay? And how we get there is called the lower story. It's going to get done. Does everyone understand that? That's going to happen. God's going to see to it. And in the lower story you know, is all these people trying to figure life out. So even if someone disobeys God and dies, God will find somebody else. Did you hear me? God will fi- That's why each one of us need to realize that we have a chance to participate in God's story, to be one of his characters <laughs> in God's story and do what God's called us to do and not have to have him pick somebody else because we were disobedient and unwilling to follow him and to live our lives in godly ways and fulfill our mission. So this lower story stuff is really, really interesting. And it's not just history, it's our lives as well. Amen? How many of you be glad for that? <laughs> so as we turn the page from chapter six into chapter seven we actually will enter the most, as far as I'm concerned, one of the most exciting books in the Bible, the book of Joshua. It's an incredible book. This Old Testament book is in the Bible, I believe, to teach us that our best days are ahead. I said our best days are ahead. Come on. And uh, because I'll tell you what, as far as Joshua and the folks in the Old Testament that had been sort of you know wandering around in the wilderness uh, they, did, they didn 't see any good days ahead say and some of you feel like that right now and uh, Chapter six is interesting. Uh, Dan taught that week a couple weeks ago, and if you weren 't here, please listen to that. But Chapter six was all about wandering in the wilderness and and walking in circles and uh, some of you today maybe actually feel that way. You've been, you feel like you're wandering in the wilderness. You feel like you're walking in circles. Uh, and, and maybe maybe you feel like life has dealt you a pretty difficult and bad hand. But the book of Joshua, I believe, introduces us to a seven-year period of history. It shows us how the children of Israel were brought out of the wilderness and into Everyone say it together, the promised land. All right, let's all say that, the promised land, wow. Remember the land that flowed with milk and honey and the grapes were as big as pomegranates and wow, I mean, remember, remember when they were supposed to go in and spy out the land and they did and 12 of them went, 10 come back and said that we can't and two said we can they decided to believe in the cant, and they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years. Everyone say 40 years. That's a long time. Some of us complain at four days, <laughs> or 40 days. <laughs> These dudes were walking around in, for 40 years in the wilderness, and uh, they, they, they had not experienced the promised land that was promised God told Moses, he said, you go in, I want you to pick 12 leaders from each tribe, and I want you to send them out to the land I'm giving you. It was rigged. They were just supposed to go in and say, yep, let's get to it. And they didn't. And they wandered, they suffered as a result of it. And I don't know about you, but I believe that every single one of us have a promised land think about that for just a minute. Because it's not just this history that we're reading today. This is you. This is me. I believe that every single one of us have a promised land. We have a land that flows with milk and honey. We have a place that God wants to take us to experience His abundant grace and power. And I believe that it's, sometimes it's, you have to fight some giants along the way to get there and experience it. And like Dave was talking about today, Sometimes we don't want that. We don't want to deal with that. We just want everything easy in life. But that's not the way life is. Every single one of us have a promised land. Did you? I believe that this church has a promised land. I believe that we have a mission. We have a destiny. We have a place that God has called us to and to fulfill here in this city. I believe that. And I have a dream that every single one of us at Metro Believers Church would experience our promised land. I have a dream that this church, Metro Believers Church, would fulfill its destiny far after I'm gone and experience its promised land. I have a dream that, that injustice and racial inequality would be a thing of the past in this city and this country. I have a dream. I know I sound like Martin Luther King. That's right. <laughs> I'm proud of our kids yesterday for standing up for something that make, that's making a difference all around the world in the, in the commitment that they made and the raising funds and the swimming. And that wasn't easy, you know, for a lot of them, especially the older ones. They were gasping, I heard. And they did something, right? They, they raised thousands of dollars thousands of dollars. Proud of, proud of them. Proud of our church for being involved. Proud of Lance and Lisa and Yola for, for sponsoring that event with their resources and then jumping into, you know, providing lunches for 230 people. Come on, let's give them a hand. When they found out that they weren't going to be a lunch for them after the kids swam because somebody backed out. Three days ahead of the event, so everybody buy some stuff from Yola's this week. Okay, go by there and buy some coffee, have breakfast or lunch. Okay, I just think we ought to support that kind of stuff, right? See, God wants us to enjoy freedom. He really does. He wants his people to enjoy freedom. He wants those people trapped in sex trafficking all around the globe, not just in 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 you know Japan or or Asia or or you know. Uh, Ghana or Africa, or whatever, he, he wants there's people right here in this city that are caught up in sex trafficking. And IGM is International Justice mission is a powerful organization, and we're loving supporting that group and their integrity, Which brings us back to Joshua and the, and the, and the giants and the things that he had to deal with and fight. Here's the deal. God granted Joshua incredible favor. As for these 7 years that Joshua was moving throughout the land, God caused them to basically be unstoppable. I mean they were they were they were kicking butt and taking names, if you know what I mean. They I know, I know I don't say things like normal preachers, but I'm not a normal preacher. <laughs> You can say that again. <laughs> and for these seven years, they were unstoppable. They, were, they defeated more than 30 kings. I want you to think of this. They, they engaged and were victorious in over 20 battles. Some I mean, of you know the path wasn't easy. They, they reclaimed, you know, their inheritance. They, 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 they actually took over 10,000 square miles of land unbelievable. They had seven years of unbridled success. They were outnumbered, but they were never underpowered. And some of you may feel outnumbered, but you're not underpowered. They were they were actually under-equipped in many cases, but they were never overwhelmed. They were the unlikely, unquestionable conquerors of some of the most barbaric armies in history. Kind of Kind of like the the equivalent of ISIS. They would chop off your head in a New York minute. If it was the prize fight, (laughs) it would have been canceled in the first round. It would have been called. (laughs) It was scarcely a contest because of God's favor. And for those seven years, the the Hebrew children, they, they were absolutely a force to be reckoned with. Not because they were perfect. Because the Bible never glosses over our tainted history. Don't you love that about the Bible? It doesn't tell you just the good things. It tells you the bad things. It tells you everything. I mean, Abraham had too many wives. Jacob told too many lies. (laughs) Esau sold his birthright. Joseph's brother sold him. (laughs) Uh, Moses struck the rock. couldn't go into the promised land because of it. And I could go on and on and on and talk about all of God's champions that are listed in Scripture, how they missed God and disobeyed Him. He absolutely disobeyed Him. And I love it that God actually shows us in the Scripture all these different things, but not these seven years. These seven years were just absolutely incredible. I like to call them the glory days. They were the glory days. Now, this wasn't always the case with the Hebrew children, because you know that. Oftentimes, the Hebrew children were like the kid in the corner with a black eye. You know, they were getting beat up on and taken captive. Now, it was somewhere around the 1400, like I said, B.C., after the children of Israel had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And God spoke to Moses' protege, Joshua, and he listened. Everyone say, he listened. He listened. And because he listened and obeyed, the Jordan River opened up, the walls of Jericho came down, the sun and the moon stood still, and 31 kings were forced into early retirement. Yeah, evil was booted and hope was rebooted. Somebody needs that today. It was ex- an extraordinary season in the history of ancient Israel. The children of Israel, Bedouin shepherds or nomads if you were or if you will, they were they began to inherit their land and they began to inhabit their farms and and possessions and God that God gave them and their accomplishments were so total so amazing that the summary statement of the book of Joshua found in Joshua 21, there in your notes, or you can open your Bibles to that. It'll also appear on the screen, it says this, Joshua 21, 43. So that the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give their fathers. Now remember that. He had sworn to give their fathers all of this stuff. And they took possession of it and they dwelt in it. And the Lord gave them the rest the rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. And the Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. God, like I told you, it's going to happen. Did you hear me? Even if people decide to to, to back out and not fulfill their call and do their part it's going to happen upper story now this lower, lower story stuff everything God told their fathers came to pass in other words somebody finally listened and obeyed the wilderness gave way to the promised land <laughs> amen the winter chill like here gave way to springtime fall please, Lord, and a new season began. Now, question, how many of you could use a new season? Yeah. Don't be disheartened, Don't, don't be downtrodden, don't be fearful, God wants to give you a new season, amen? And I love that because the book of Joshua takes us there. The book of Joshua is a history book, but it's also a book of theology. Why? Because it reveals to us the mind and the ways of God. And that's the cool part. As we study the book, these books, it starts to reveal to us the mind and the ways of God. It reveals to us His character. It helps us to see into this person that loves us so much, He would send His Son to die on a cross for us, like Allie talked about. How how he lives and what he likes and how he wants us to live. Why so we can get the most out of life? Do you know living according to God's ways will get you the most out of life? Father knows best. Amen. Now the book, the book of Joshua, actually. Let me find my spot here. Um, the book of Joshua. Sorry. Whoops. The the book of Joshua actually tells us the story of God and how he wants to teach his kids how to win. You have the upper story and the lower story. Why? In the upper story, it's God giving the Israelites the land of Canaan. In other words, why is he doing that in the upper story? Why? Okay. Obviously, he had made promises to their fathers, but also he was giving it to Israel because he was taking away some of the. Amorites and the wickedness of their past, and he he was trying to bring righteousness and right living back into this area of the world. The conquest of Israel may may seem unfair as you read through the book. It may seem like you know why is God doing this to this people? Um, but here's the deal: justice and righteousness was very important to God, and he was working on this detestable wickedness and dealing with that. He also wanted to establish his name. And in order to give the the Israelites an identity in an identifiable identifiable land and make his name known unto the nations, uh, he had to do this, see? Now, my favorite part of the book of Joshua comes now. I believe it's the Book of uh, Joshua chapter 1, because it tells us how to approach a battle. Now many of you are facing battles. I'm facing battles. Sometimes it's just simple battles. Sometimes it's a major battle. But sometimes simple battles take their toll on us. So this book teaches us how, how to face these battles. Are you ready for this? I said, "Are you ready? So, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, this is how it goes. Now, listen closely as I read it, and maybe read it in your own Bible. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, see, Deuteronomy closes with Moses dying, and the children of Israel are, and Joshua included in that group, are mourning and weeping for 30 days. And then we jump into Joshua 1.1, 1, 1, okay, from there, from Deuteronomy to Joshua 1.1. 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aide or his protege, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. And it's interesting to me. For years, I pondered that, and I thought, why? I mean, do you think Joshua was unaware that Moses was dead? Do you think that? I mean, so why did God have to come and tell him? He was trying to get Moses or Joshua's attention to say, you know what? Here's the deal. God was basically coming to Joshua and saying, Moses is dead. The baton has been passed. Now you, get up, quit moaning and groaning and quit weeping and mourning. We've got work to do. Notice in the text, it says, Now you and all these people. Question for you, what's God saying to you about your life? About the things that have happened to you along the way. Joshua was close to Moses, and he's dead. He's probably feeling pretty lonely right now, you know? Pretty abandoned. Pretty fearful. What in the world are we gonna do now? Under his leadership, we wandered for 40 years, now we're we gonna wander another 40? So God comes on the scene and says, Now it's time for you. I'm going to say that to you today. Now it's time for you to get up and to get moving. Why? Because God's saying we have work to do. We have work to do. Amen? This church has work to do. Your life has work to do. Your friends need help, your family, the people you work with. They need to hear the gospel. They need to see the light of Christ inside of you. See, the baton has been passed. We're not here just to take up space. We're here to make a difference. And I believe that same word that God came to, Mo, or Joshua, when he said Moses is dead, is, he's saying it to us today. I wrestled with this all week, just the whole, you, get up, Get moving. One of life's most persistent and powerful enemies is the past. Many of you are so messed up from the past. You're locked up. You can't move forward because, like Allie was talking about, the past. But she somehow broke through and is experiencing life as a result of it. And that's what God's saying to us today. Today. And we've all struggled with failures in the past. We've all made mistakes. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all have this continuing negative influence in our lives. But Joshua had to let go of the past. And so do we. Listen, the past is a thief. It will rob you. It will steal from you. It will take away your future. The past is a bully. It'll bully you around and and push you into, you know, a, a corner somewhere so you can't achieve anything. The past will make you a victim anew. It'll keep reminding you of your foolishness or someone else's foolishness on your behalf. It'll make you a victim. We're not a victim. We're a victor. The past is a leech. It'll literally suck the life out of you. It'll pull the life of God out of you if you let it. The devil doesn't play fair. So it's important for all of us to realize that our present and our future will be determined by how we handle the past. When you're stuck in the past, you die a little more every single day of your life. And forgetting the past is not, it's not a feeling, it's a choice. Did you hear me? You, you make a choice. I am not going to be defined by my past. I am not going to allow the enemy to lock me up and hold me back any longer. Now let's read the rest of the chapter. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to the Lebanon and from the great river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. Somebody needs to hear that today. You'll, like last Sunday, you'll never be alone again. And then he starts telling Joshua what he's got to do. He says, be strong, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Because you will lead these people to inherit. Everyone say inherit. See, God has an inheritance for you. Price has already been paid, and it's yours. Last week we found out one of our inheritance is peace. It's the birthright of the believer. Because you'll lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey. Everyone say obey. All the law, my servant Moses gave you. In other words, get into the word and learn to live it, not just kind of walk around and profess you're a Christian. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. How many believe God wants you to be successful? All right. He goes on to say, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do. Everyone say do. Everything that is written in it Then you will be prosperous, and then you will be successful. Have I not commanded you, Joshua, just in case you have a short-term memory problem? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, fear. Do not be discouraged, disappointment. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a game changer to me. That's a game changer. Knowing that I'm not alone, knowing that God's right here with me, knowing that he said he would never leave me nor forsake me is a game changer. Can't tell you how many battles Vicky and I have had to face over the years. When we, farted, farted, we started our first church, <laughs> some of you just woke up, Right? <laughs> When I started our church, <laughs> when I started our first church, Vicky and I started our first church in 1981 or 82. We've actually planted it. Um, it was it was a battle. It was a battle, yeah. And you know, giving up everything that we had—my business, our business—shutting um, it down to go plant a church with no promise of anything. It was a battle. It was a battle starting the other churches up in the Upper Peninsula. It was a battle with walking the church out in Marshfield and then Tulsa and then here. It was a battle. And then relationships along the way. Battles. Battles. Designed to get us to quit. Seriously. See, the enemy wants you to quit on your journey. He wants you to stop. He wants you to just bail. He wants you to go into autopilot just be comfortable. You know, I, I go to church most Sundays. Probably only a couple a month. Sometimes one. Sometimes sometimes none. I, I I I tell people I'm a Christian, but I really don't walk in the Word. I don't tell. You know, I don't I don't live it. I I I profess it, but I don't really live it. Remember the word obey here. Remember the word obey, that you be careful to what? Obey all that is written so that you may be prosperous and successful. In other words, when you come through a battle, God's setting you up for victory. Did you hear me? If you'll pursue, you will prevail. It's only a matter of time. If we pursue, we will prevail. The problem is we back off. We get comfortable. We kind of just go into autopilot, and just cultural Christians, you know. Yeah, I believe. But there's no real change. There's no real evidence in our lives in terms of walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. Our hearts stirred within us. When's the last time your heart stirred within you? When is it? When was the last time that you fell on your face before God and just wept in his presence and read his word and talked to him for more than a minute. When's the last time? See, God's calling us to another level. And his church will never reach his destiny or promised land if we just simply approach it casually. Business as usual is no longer acceptable. Come on. It's time for a change. It's time time to allow the book of Joshua to stir us so that we can experience him. We We can know our marching orders. Three times God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. And at the end of this chapter, the people of Israel said, we will do everything you say us to do. Only you be strong and courageous. So God tells Joshua, this is what you need to do. And then the people say, all right, but this is what you need to do. Church, I'm telling you, this is what we need to do. We need to be strong and courageous. Amen? Strong and courageous. Now, my time is up and I not finished. <laughs> As you can see, I <laughs> got through the first page. So, let's have the worship team come up and uh, we'll uh, close this out. I want to leave that ringing in your ears that God is calling us to a new ne- new level and we all have to be strong and courageous. And if you want to hear the second part of that, come back next week. All right. told you this was one of my favorite books. Let's stand together if we could. Battles. Many of you are going through battles right now. And you feel like nothing will ever change. You feel like you're wandering around in the wilderness or walking in circles. What if Joshua had bought that lie? See, God would have still got the job done. That's the upper story. He's going to make it happen somehow with somebody. Please understand that. How many of you wanted to be with you? You? I see your hands. You want God to use you. You want to be a tool in his hands. Yeah. Thank you. Well, that means some changes are necessary. And if we're going to fulfill that, God's going to have to do a work on the inside of us. How many of you are willing for that to happen? I see your hands. Heads for just a minute. God, thank you for the inspiration of the book of Joshua. Thank you for the lessons that we have learned. Teach us your ways, show us your heart. God, even though on the timeline of history, this is us over to our far right, there's so much more to be done. And God, I I want, as the pastor of this church, I want to fulfill that. I don't want to ever have to stand before you and give an account for my life and not have fulfilled what you've called me to do in this church and its people. God, I can only say so much. You, Holy Spirit, have to take it and move into the people's lives in this place today and at home and write on the heart of people with the pen of the ready writer. To make a difference, God, and not just be another Sunday sermon. Let this be a life changing, life altering time where we as a church say, We're going for it. We're taking it. (laughs) We're doing this. We're obeying you, God. We've got things to do. And I'm going to be all in with my time and my talents and my treasures. To be all in. God. If you're here this morning and you'd say, Yeah, I've got I, you're talking to me today. Pray for me. I want I want to make those changes. Would you lift up your hand so I can pray for you? God bless you. All over the place. Thank you for your honesty. Lord, thank you for moving on people's hearts. Thank you, God, for making it real. Those hands represent hearts open, hungry, desirable, wanting more. So, God, would you do a work in each of our lives? Would you do a work in this church? Would you help us to become a praying church? one who understands that the sacrifice of time will pay eternal dividends to pray, to come together and pray and to seek your face. Unite our hearts together for the sake of your kingdom. God, we want more, we want you, in Jesus' name. Let's just take a few minutes and worship. If you want to know more about Life Lessons, check us out online at MetroBelievers.com or write to us at Metro Believers Church, P.O. Box 45702, Madison, Wisconsin, 53744.